Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about President Trump is not dividing America. Vince Ellison, author of Iron Triangle, joins me. Top Trump 29 accomplishment, 2019 accomplishments and New Year's resolutions for the 2020 Patriots. And I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello there and welcome again to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. Gallup was out with a poll yesterday, I think probably shocked a lot of people. This is an annual Gallup poll, apparently done every year at the end of the year, so just done now, this week, here in December of 2019, in which people were asked to name the most admired American man and the most admired American woman. The most amazing thing is that President Trump tied in this polling that Gallup did with former President Barack Obama. They both got 18%. So 18% went Trump, 18% went Obama. Why this is so amazing, uh, number one is that for many years when this poll is done, frequently the incumbent president, the sitting president, will win the most admired. But President Trump did not win that his first couple of years in office. But here he is, 18% tied with Barack Obama. Number two, why this is so amazing. President Trump suffers 24-7, 365, as they say, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year of assault by the American media. Critiquing, mocking, lying, attacking, reporting on hoaxes. President Trump's media coverage, as many polls, even left-wing polls, have admitted, is overwhelmingly negative. And he's still getting 18%, still tied with former President Barack Obama, who, on the other hand, former President Obama, gets endless, positive, drooling-level praise over everything he does, every word he utters, every speech he gives. The left can't wait to tell us again what a great guy he was and what a great president. So this is a signal... This is a signal of the fact that regardless of what the media says, America is not as divided as people think, or to put more directly to say, President Trump is not dividing this country. And the reason I want to say this in today's first five is in the last few weeks, as various issues or even months, issues are being discussed on social media from the impeachment to President Trump's latest tweet someone doesn't like to a decision he has made with respect to foreign policy, the military, the border. Even people who are generally speaking are Republican and would like to vote Republican, many will say, well, you know, but I just can't get with President Trump. I mean, you know, he's okay, and I agree with his agenda, and I like some things he's done, but, you know, maybe next time around we can find somebody else because he, President Trump, is so divisive. Again, President Trump is not divisive. What happens in this country is that 90%, and this has pretty much been standing, stayed in the same ballpark, since the time President Trump won the presidency, 90% of the people of Republicans support him, encourage him, say he's doing the right thing. So he's got the support of 90% of the Republican voters, but the Democrat media mob on the left, the Democrats who attack him all the time, the pundits, the academia, the Hollywood, the, the, you know, just the Washington uh, elitist reporting uh, in all sorts of outlets, all of the mainstream media attack President Trump all the time. And then they report on the outrage they have created in America due to their relentless attacks as proof that Trump divides. And let me just try to say this really clearly again, because it matters to get this. We're going to hear the argument in 2020 over and over from some people that Trump is too divisive, so we have to try someone different. Trump is not divisive. Trump is doing exactly what his voters elected him to do, and they are happy with him. The argument that America is divided is true, 
but Trump is not the divisive one. You have the American left, the Democrat media mob in this country attacking, not just attacking President Trump, but planting seeds of anger, outrage, division, false allegations against him, just endless planting of resentment and hatred. And then when leftists in this country or ignorant people who don't follow the news well enough read everything the media tells them, hear everything the media tells them, they think, wow, this must be terrible. I'm going to be outraged too. So you have protests by leftists in this country and they're outraged, but I'm getting at the idea it is the left that's planting the seeds of outrage, planting the seeds of division, and then reporting as though it is news, as though it is factual, that President Trump is the source of division. President Trump is doing exactly what the American people elected him to do. He is not divisive. The left, we need to have more and more people in our country pointing out that it is not, indeed, it is not President Trump who is divisive. It is the left who fights him, gets angry, marches in the streets, calls him names, and then point and, and expresses their outrage and disdain for President Trump. And then the media tries to say, look how divided we are. All they're really saying is, look how angry made ignorant Americans at the president. That's all they're saying. Do not accept the message of the left that President Trump is divisive. He, in fact, is equally well-respected in this country, even according to Gallup, in this 18 to 18 uh, poll that came out yesterday, this Gallup poll, most admired American man, and he's tied with Barack Obama, with, which is astonishing given he's a recipient of about 100% negative publicity. President Trump is leading exactly the way the American people asked him to do, which is to put America back on track and put America first. And that, my friends, is today's First Five. As I mentioned, when we started, we have a guest joining us, and I'm going to show you his book first. He's joining us by phone, um, and so we're going to see his uh, picture here in a moment, but I want to show you the, his book. It's, it's uh, I always want to, again, yeah, hold on to the right, there you go, The Iron Triangle. It's called The Iron Triangle, and uh, the, the author is Vince Ellison. And I want you to see this title. I just ordered it off of Amazon and had it zipped to my front door the next day, but it's called The Iron Triangle, and the subtitle is How Democrats Are Using Race to Divide Americans in Their Quest for Power and How We Can Stop Them. So the author, Vince Everett Ellison, is joining us by phone. I believe we do have him. Hello, Vince. Hello, how are you today? I am well, and I'm happy to talk with you. I'm so glad you're joining us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Okay. Thank so, you. <laughs> so I got to tell you, folks, I have the sticky sticking out of this book because I've I've got a bunch of questions, and uh, you know I. I, I, first of all, I want to urge our listeners, you should order this book. It is full of data, and I'm pretty much of a data wonk, and I read incessantly, and I learned a lot of things. Even in the beginning pages, I learned things I didn't know. So I want to encourage you to read it and to understand some of the arguments he's making. But to start with, uh, I want to have our listeners hear a little bit about you, Vince. You wrote in, the, in this book, you described in the beginning how you had gone to work as a young man, 26 years old. You went to work in a correctional facility and you had observed, you had the kind of intuitive trained reaction of a Democrat seeing the population in that prison that you had and was largely black and they'd committed crimes of various kinds uh, and you had the assumption of the reaction that these people you know they're really only here because of white racism injustice a horrible justice system can you describe kind of your reaction to what you first thought about uh, your reaction when you uh, began working in the correctional facility i have the name but i can't find it quickly but kirkland medium security prison in columbia south carolina so tell us about that with that experience yeah, it was an eye-opening experience. Uh, I had um, I was born on a cotton plantation in Haywood County, Tennessee. My father was a sharecropper, and he worked very hard and uh, made his money through the insurance industry and bought us out of poverty. And uh, up, and I thought we had overcome. I, I went to college, and when I uh, got to college, I started uh, working as a correctional officer uh, in a prison in South Carolina, the Kirkland Correctional Institution. And that's when I found out we had not overcome. I saw so many young black men, and this was during the 90s when Bill Clinton's crime bill was just locking up black men all over America, uh, and uh, they were really locking them up fast. Uh, we had three prisons in South Carolina in the 70s, and we had 40 by the end of the 90s. Oh, my god! And they were building them and locking black men up. And so I said, okay, you know, the knee-jerk reaction, these, uh, I'm hearing from 
everybody around me, every black person around me is these dirty white Republicans, right? So I, I left my job after five years, and I started a nonprofit organization to, to nail these mean, dirty white Republicans to the wall. But there was a problem. <laughs> when I went to the black community to find them, there were no white Republicans around. All I saw were black Democrats. And most of the time, what I saw were three types of black Democrats, mostly the black preacher, the black civic organizer, and the black politician. And I call these three the Iron Triangle. These uh, three entities are basically Democratic Party contractors. Their job is to do what they've always done since slavery. They, back in slavery time, they were basically the house Negroes. They kept the field hands in line for the master. And, and, doing, uh, and, and doing, doing, doing segregation is the same thing. The white Democrats down south have always had a, a core group of black people that they turned to that they paid to keep the black masses under their heel. And that, that is exactly who these people are now. So I wanted to find the problem, and I looked for motive, means, and opportunity, of course, as you would do at any crime scene. And white Republicans had no motive to keep black people down. They had no means, and they had no opportunity. But the Iron Triangle, the black preacher, the black civic organizer, and the black politician had every opportunity to do it. And as long as they could keep black people poor, as long as they could keep them illiterate and uneducated, as long as they could keep them afraid, they could keep them under control. And that's their primary goal right now. And then they deflect and tell them that the reason this is happening to you is because of white Republicans. And because of the, there are no white Republicans to defend themselves in the black community, it's believed. Okay, you know, I'm glad you uh, went off to, uh, in that you were just saying, you described what the Iron Triangle was. I meant to start with that. And I want to mention to our listeners again, the name of the book, The Iron Triangle, uh, refers to what this author has described just a moment ago, the three, three different groups very prominent in the black community in America, black preachers, black civic organizations, black politicians. Your basic premise is it is black Democrats who really are holding down the, uh, the lifting out of black America. America out of uh, poverty, out of just, just a sense of being second-class citizens. So why, though, what, are, what is the reason that black politicians, preachers, and civic leaders, why would they do that to their fellow blacks? Same, the same reason they always did it, power and money. See, we've always had traitors. Uh, they had traitors in the Holocaust. You saw on um, uh, Chinda's list that 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 there were actually Jewish traders in the in the concentration camps. Uh, we we've had them. They've always been there, and 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 the black Democrats have always used black people as they they know us like they know farm animals. They have trained us to do what they want them to do. So right now, uh, this this Iron Triangle has been in effect for a very very long time. But they've been working uh, kind of incognito. Nobody really, I, I didn't know they existed until I really started running for office. I ran for Congress uh, in 2000 in South Carolina, and that's when I really got to know who they were. Everything was about money. Uh, in my book, I talk about souls to the polls. I talk about street money. Um, I, I, I talk about um, um, uh, how uh, they have gone into the black church and basically made the black preacher an apostate minister. How the black preacher uh, can be a Baptist minister, and the Baptist religion talks against gay marriage, talks against, you know, abortion. Uh, uh, it talks that God should be, you should be free to your God any place and anywhere, yet the black preacher will support politicians that are for abortion up until birth. They will support politicians that are involved in the gay marriage concepts. They will also uh, vote for politicians that are for atheism and that will keep God out of the public square. This is an apostate ministry, and it's not all of them, but it is the vast majority, the Jesse Jacksons, the Al Sharptons. They are part and parcel, Democratic Party operatives. And in my book, The Iron Triangle, I take you from the beginning all the way down to now. It tells you how it started, but it also tells, tells people this, and this is very important. White Christian conservatives have nothing more to apologize for. Nothing. Everything that is wrong in the black community can be solved and can be changed by the black people in the community. White Christian conservatives have done, are doing nothing to hurt the black community. Nothing at all. It is always the Iron Triangle, and it's always the Democratic Party. If you try to go for school choice, who's going to stop it? The Democrats. If you're going to try to put the black family together, who's going to stop it? 
the Democrats. I show step by step how the civil rights movement took apart the black family through the welfare, uh, uh, through all the welfare and, 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 and the man-out clauses of the 1960. I show how they used Brown versus Board, Board of Education to destroy black public education, how they used integration to destroy the black economy. We have gained nothing, absolutely nothing, from the Democratic Party in the last 60 years. We have 10 times more men in prison. We have, we, we have 10 times more crime. We have, uh, our, 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 uh, we have 10 times uh, more uh, out, of wedlock, out, of work, out of wedlock births. Everything has gone, everything has gotten worse since the Civil Rights Movement. Yet, they never pivot. They never change direction. It's full speed ahead. And they have to destroy Donald Trump because they see Donald Trump as they saw Abraham Lincoln, an abolitionist coming on their plantation to free their slaves. And they kill Lincoln with a, with, with, with a bullet, and they try to kill Trump with an impeachment. He cannot be allowed to live because if Donald Trump keeps doing what he's doing for, for America, the Democratic Party will be destroyed, and they know it. This is a death fight. Everybody needs to understand that. Donald Trump has to be destroyed. And, if, and when he beats this impeachment, they're going to come at him again. We have to stand with him. And the, the, all of your listeners need to understand what this is. Trump is here to save America from some of the worst people that have ever walked the face of this earth. The Democratic Party is not even trying to hide anymore. I mean, these people are actually talking about abortion up to the ninth month and want to have the federally funded. They're actually talking about taxing billionaires until they no longer live in this country. They talk, they're talking about socialism. Trump is in their way. And they are trying to take him out. And all of your listeners understand that we must stand beside him, and he's going to pull America together in a way that's never been pulled together before. And I'm with him 100%. You know, you said so many, uh, first of all, that was wonderful. That was a great soliloquy. Uh, you said so many things we've hit on in our show about, what well, you know, this impeachment with President Trump has nothing whatsoever to do with his phone call with Zelensky in July no. uh, or anything to do with our dealings with Ukraine. It is a guy who is bringing uh, America back on track, bringing Amer tr going f actually implementing the America First agenda, moving America forward. It, all Americans, it, it is just it's blowing up the liberal lives. But I want to go back to, uh, because I will tell you that I've, I've had um, many conversations on the show over the years um, with people who have lamented, and I'm going to ask you the question directly, even though you talked about a little bit, but I've had people who lament, and, and I can tell you our own experience. I, I have uh, dear friends who are black, who are Christian, who are, you know, uh, God-fearing, Bible-reading, uh, wonderful families, and they are, you know, and they have intact families, and they will, they support, you know, law and order, and they support quality education, everything that conservatives stand for, and we'll talk about politics all the way to the point of say, well, what, if you agree with all of these things, then you're a conservative, you're a Republican. But the knee-jerk reaction of so many people is no, actually, no, 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 no. You know, people, black Americans are talking about, regardless of what I think about things, I'm not Republican, I'm a Democrat. So can you describe what feeds into that loyalty within the black community in America to, to the Democrat party? Well, there, there's a movie that I saw um, last year, it's called The Free State of Jones great movie and they had a uh, uh it was a civil war movie and they showed the out uh, what happened after the civil war and there was this one one of the stories side stories was this black man that had, had been a slave he had become a republican and he learned to read and write and he decided that he was going to he was going to register black ex-black slaves to vote and it showed that while he was doing his work that a bunch of white democrats caught him and hung him and castrated him and left him hanging up there oh. and my daughter was watching this with me, and I was surprised when this scene came up. And then they showed this violence of the Ku Klux Klan, white Democrats killing black, ex-black slaves, fam, just killing them all through the movie, killed thousands. And she looked at me in horror because she knew that I had just written this book. And she said, Dad, are they going to do that to you? She's 10 years old. And I told her, baby, if they could, they would. But they can't, so they won't. That's the reason why we vote Democrat, because that's what they did to my people back 150 years ago. Even up to now, the story in my book, when um, the 1956 Civil Rights Act was passed, the 1960 Civil Rights Act was passed, 
my grandfather had the right to vote for the first time in Haywood County, Tennessee. And uh, the Ku Klux Klan um, uh, had him kicked off the cotton plantation that he was living on because he had registered to vote. Well, President Eisenhower and Nixon had make, they made sure that the Civil Rights, the 56 Civil Rights Act and 1960 Civil Rights Act was passed. Kennedy and Johnson had voted or fought against it and watered it down. But they sent the FBI to my father's, uh, my grandfather's house and told him he didn't have to go anywhere. And they told him that President Eisenhower had sent them there to specifically tell him that he had the right to vote and that nobody could make him move. And I remember my grandfather telling me how proud he was that Eisenhower had sent, the President of the United States of America had sent these FBI white men to his house to protect him. And then I was amazed to find out, my father told me that in the 1960 election, he voted for the Democrat ticket, complete Democrat ticket. And as I spoke to my father about this, I found out that there was a Stockholm Syndrome yeah, that was affiliated with the entire black population in the South. And stop, And this is not a condemnation. This is an explanation. Yeah. Because it is, it, it is what you do. It is a knee-jerk reaction when you have to defend yourself. It is a survival instinct that you take on the characteristics of your oppressor. And one of the characteristics of, of Stockholm is that you violently, you violently fight off anyone that comes to your rescue. This is why when a black Republican like me comes out, and try to talk to black Democrats, you have this violent reaction from uh, black people. It's Stockholm Syndrome. It's cognitive dissonance, and we have to fight through it. But there is a black awakening, especially amongst the young. And all black people ain't crazy. They are seeing what is going on here in this country, and they are appalled. I had a conversation with a lady at, at Belk, so it was about a Christmas gift for my wife. She was in her 70s, and she was just saying to me, I don't know why. Uh, uh, they elected Donald Trump. I just don't know why. I just don't know. Oh, God, he doesn't know. I don't know why. And I said, I can tell you why. And she said, why? I said, Barack Obama, the last two years of this administration, you remember the bathroom bill? She said, yeah. I couldn't stand it. I said, yeah. You know that Obama also put transgenders in the military? She said, what? I said, yeah. Did you know that he also used Obamacare to give free operations for, for, for transgenders? She said, she said what? I said, you remember when he painted the, 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 the White House in rainbow colors for LGBTQ? I said, you know they put him on the cover of Newsweek magazine as the first gay president? And she was just amazed. I said, do you know that he was making nuns get birth control? And after I gave her all this stuff, and I gave her more and more stuff, I said, do you remember the land deal? Do you, do you remember he, he, him putting us under, under the U.N. At the, at the, at the, with, with the Paris Climate Accords? This is why, he, this is why we got Trump. If you want to thank anybody for Donald Trump, you thank Barack Obama. Because he showed us what liberalism was. And we know we needed somebody that would turn us back that was not afraid to fight. We got a taste of what the liberals were, and we didn't like it. And now we have Donald Trump, and thank God for him. That was quite the summer. You know, I feel like I could go in about a thousand directions. I do want to ask you about your confidence that perhaps there is a growing willingness among uh, some number of black Americans to vote Republican, even though they're kind of feel like they're tiptoeing in the water to decide if they can if they can do this. But I want to go back to something you talked about in your book relating to the when you went in the correctional facility, because you're talking the 90s. And so we've had, you know, the uh, we, we've had the great society and the welfare programs that, that broke up families around this country. You talked about going mm -hmm. to the correctional facility. You said 85% of the men there who were in prison had four things in common. They grew up in poverty. They had no high school diploma. They had no religious foundation. And they had no father figures. And so you were really looking at the reasons that these young men ended up in prison, the factors in their life. And I, I want to commend yeah. you, first of all, to be able to look, look beyond the argument that was prevalent and still is prevalent in leftism in this country, is that the only reason we have so many uh, black men in prison is because of racism and an unjust criminal justice system and all, all sorts of other excuses. So you really you nailed that, but you ultimately tied your observations about those people to the programs the Democrats had put in place, and you're actually kind of calling those programs intentional, or at least keeping them in place, an intentional effort of the Democrat Party to keep black America down. Is that right? That's exactly right. Nobody's that stupid. Black people have been poor, and we've been black forever, but we were never murderers, and we were never in jail. Yeah. It's like, that was extremely rare. When my father was growing up, 
black men didn't go to prison. It was strange, extraordinarily strange to see a black man that had been in jail. Now these young men think that it's part of uh, going, like, like going to college. That didn't happen in our community. We, uh, before the 1960s, you had more two-parent black families than you had uh, uh, two-parent white families in the South. The family yeah. was strong. We didn't have divorce. We didn't have family breakup. That didn't happen. It happened after the 60s. And that happened because you had a bunch of liberals come from up north. They decided to come down south, and they decided to change the culture artificially. I remember something when I was growing up as, as a boy. I went to uh, started uh, kindergarten in 1968, the year that Dr. King got shot and killed in Memphis. And um, my father took me to school, and he stayed there with me all day. And I was like five years old. I was wondering why Daddy was with me at school all day when we was driving back home. I said, Daddy, why are you at school with me all day long? I mean, are you going back to school? He said, <laughs> No, I had to stay with you because some people said that they were going to come down and try to hurt y'all. I said, Oh, he said, Some white people. I said, um, Why would you send me to school with someone that wants to hurt me? He told me, I don't, but it's the law. Now, understand this that back in the 60s, when they forcibly integrated, Mm -hmm. Black people down south. Black people didn't have a vote on that. I, mean, I don't know who voted Martin Luther King into office as the leader of black America. My dad didn't have a vote in it. They basically came down and told us what we were going to do. James Meredith told me that the black educational system down south before forced integration was the best educational system in the world. It educated my father. It educated my grandmother. It educated scholars. They destroyed that system. And they destroyed it because I believe that they saw that uh, I have a statistic in my book that showed that the 20 years between 1940 and 1950s, black Americans had, um, had achieved more per capita than any other group in the United States of America. We were moving up fast. And liberals up north decided that they would use our cognitive dissonance and our Stockholm syndrome and, 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 and start a movement to take the two, three million dormant black votes down south and take over the Democrat Party, which is what they did. And as soon as Dr. King was dead, he wasn't dead in the grave before all of those guys in the civil rights movement went and started with the Democratic Party. They ran for office, whether it be Andrew Young, John Lewis, Abernathy, all of them. They all jumped in, they, they, they sided with their slave bastards party. Isn't that amazing? The very people, George Wallace, Lester Maddox, Orville Fabers, you named them, all those ex-Confederate Democrats down there who had voted against every piece of civil rights legislation, they never changed. People try to tell you that they changed. They did not. They died Democrats. All of them did. The only one that changed was Strom Thurmond. He's the term Republican. The rest of those old Confederates, the rest of those old uh, KKK members died Democrats. And the black intelligentsia joined the Democrat Party. And then they had black people that had been hung, raped, and mutilated by these very same people they told us then to vote for them. Jesse Jackson went down in the 70s, I remember this. He went, he campaigned with George Wallace to help George Wallace become governor of, of uh, uh, Alabama. Because wait, wait, George Jesse Wallace was a Democrat. Jackson campaigned? I'm sorry, can you say that last part again? Jesse Jackson campaigned with Governor yes. Wallace? Wow. He campaigned with George Wallace in the 80s, the last time he ran for governor. Yes. They were all part of the group, and the Iron Triangle's job is to make sure that they bring the black vote to the Democrat Party. By hook or by crook, they're getting 95% of the black vote. There's no reason now for them not to. Buy my book, The Iron Triangle, and you can go to my website at irontrianglebook.com. That's irontrianglebook.com. I have blogs written about this. I have a great blog about why Donald Trump is the best president since Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I have a blog there talking about, um, I'm a, I've called you a racist, now prove me wrong. Because as you know right now, what the left will do is they'll call any conservative racist. And then uh, uh, the conservative has to spend the rest of his career trying to prove that he's not. You know, they, 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 they have this monopoly on, on, I guess, our pain. And they want the whole world to believe that they are our defenders. They are not our defenders. White Christian conservatives need to understand that if we're going to save America, and if we are going to bring this country back to where we're supposed to be, we have to solve this problem. 
Jesus' last prayer was for us to be united. Before he went to the cross, he prayed a prayer of unity because he knew that Satan was going to come in and divide his people. If black and white Christians stop fighting each other over foolishness, like Confederate monuments and Confederate flags, and we start concentrating on the things that we all agree with and know are true, we'll change the world and make it a much better place. But the left understands that they have to keep us fighting, and I guarantee you this, start watching real closely this year. They're going to start bringing everywhere you look, you're going to start finding stories of black people, of white people trying to hurt black people. They're going to try to scare us again. They're going to bring up, they're going to find Trayvon Martin stories. They're going to find Michael Brown stories. They don't care if they're true. Matter of fact, it doesn't matter. They're right. going to find all kinds of movies are going to start coming out about how bad white people treat black people. Their job now is to make black America afraid again so that we will run back to them and say, please take care of us. Did you ever see that movie called The Village? M. Night Shyamalan. It was a great movie where they used uh, these, these uh, pretend ghosts to keep people uh, inside of this, this village so they wouldn't leave and keep them, they kept them under control like that. This is what they're doing to black people in America. They keep, uh, they keep them under control by telling them that, uh, black, that America hates them and, and that if you leave out of the ghettos that uh, these people will destroy you, uh, that you're hated by your, uh, your own citizens and that every time things don't go right for you it's because white people hate you. And that is the biggest lie. And I'm out here telling people the story. I'm telling them the truth. And I would want people to buy this book so it can help them also tell this truth. It's a great conversation starter. If you're talking to your black friend or just um, your liberal friend and you want to breach these issues, you can use my book to breach them. You can say, Vince Ellison says this. Check out this book. It says this. It'll give them something to think about. Vince Ellison, you most certainly could. I want to thank you so much for joining me today in the show. And again, I'll show our listeners. This is a book that I, I, we've been talking about. I do urge you to order it from Amazon and, and actually read it. And he's very right about the amount of data in here. The, in addition to data, there, what I really enjoyed and appreciate your writing about was a lot of the psychology that we've been talking about, Just and we barely skimmed the surface of what we could have been talking about in your book, but the psychology that has been very intentionally manipulative psychology used by the Democrat Party to keep black Americans afraid of voting for Republicans, afraid of listening to the conservative argument, afraid of having the conversation, subtly planting fear, uh, seeds of racism. And I just appreciated uh, very much how you really dug in and talked about, you mentioned Stockholm Syndrome, the psychology that I think puzzles a lot of Americans who, who are very aware that uh, in America, the, the black community in America is, uh, I believe, has higher church attendance percentages than white America does, and they are devout Christians, and yet yes. they vote for a party yes. that attacks everything Christianity stands for. So, Vince Ellison, thank you so much for joining me again. The book is called The Iron Triangle, How Democrats Are Using Race to Divide Americans in Their Quest for Power and How We Can Stop Them. And Vince Ellison, thank you for joining me. Well, thank you very much. And I want to just end by saying what President Trump says. He says we have to always remember that we are one people. We all bleed the same blood. We're all made by the same God. We have to understand all the fighting and all the killing and all the murder and all the division has created nothing but more of that. Let's love one another. Let's go into the, let's go into the, the, the new year praising God, loving each other, and being happy to all Americans. And on that note, thank you so much, Vince Ellison. And folks, I really do, this book is, well, really, is, as I say, in the first 10 pages, I found myself taking notes and Googling things and checking things. It's full of just great information. And also, it's just, it is a conversation starter because part of what happens in this country is the left spends so much time accusing everyone on the right, not just Donald Trump, anyone who's conservative, any, and the Republican side of being racist. And when you actually read the history that he has laid out so well, you realize that, that the Democrat Party has been very much manipulatively playing the black American vote for decades. And the uh, psychology of it makes many black Americans concerned or fearful about stepping away from a party that does not stand for any of the values that they believe in. So great book. I really encourage you to read it. And again, I'm very, very glad that Vince Ellison could join us today. Okay, next topic I want to hit because we are on the last day. Amazingly, we're on the last day of 2019. 
where literally the next time I talk to you, it'll be 2020 because there's no show tomorrow. Tomorrow will be New Year's Day. And so we'll be back on Thursday, January 2nd. It'll be 2020. But I urge you to go to my website, americacanwetalk.org, and across the top of the homepage under shows, there's a drop-down menu that says list of links. In there, I have three different links just today of lists of accomplishments of the Trump administration since the time he took office. I have one list is just 2019, one is just 2018, one is all three years that he's been serving as president. These are important things to remember as we wrap up 2019. The president of this country, Donald Trump, has done extraordinary things, made extraordinary progress in exactly the ways his voters why his voters want him to, the things he ran on, he is executing on and doing them. And they are really profound things. Uh, you know, I could, you know, it's, it's job creation, it's the lowest unemployment rates for blacks and Hispanics and women in decades. It is a robust economy. It is an economy where you have more um, jobs that are open because the economy is blooming and blossoming than you even have people who could fill them. We have new manufacturing jobs, we have economic growth hitting numbers that the left mocked and said were never possible. You have medium household income hit the highest level ever recorded. These are just economic accomplishments. You have economic accomplishments even, in fact, part of what the leftists were always trying to say was, well, all the changes that President Trump brought around were really just to help the rich. This is the lie that Elizabeth Warren tells over and over and over, that somehow this fabulous economy with more people working and more people creating businesses and a record number of new um, businesses opened by black business owners, regardless of all this great economic news, you hear Elizabeth Warren and other leftists arguing that, well, this may be a recovery, but the poor people aren't being helped. People at the bottom aren't being helped. It is a lie. This economy has lifted everyone. It's been stellar. So that's the economy. You have foreign policy. And in this time, President Trump has been in office. He has actually brought ISIS to his knees. Yes, radical Islam will always be there, or just Islam and its teachings of that command devout followers to spread Islam by force or manipulation still exists, but ISIS that had literally begun a new caliphate, the dream of the ISIS radical in the Middle East, and President Trump's strength, his determination, his willingness to use military force has reduced ISIS to almost nothing. He has pulled us out of the UN control that was created in the Paris Climate Accord, which President Obama put in place without running it by the Senate because he knew the Senate would never approve it. We have President Trump has made extraordinary uh, progress in terms of getting the members of NATO to pay more of their fair share, not to have America care, always carrying the bag, America always being the one carrying more than our fair share of the load of expenses. You have President Trump who's made extraordinary progress on securing the border. We had a growing, uh, just growing abandonment of the border under President Obama, more and more willingness to let caravans flood the southern border, overwhelm our border, let them in. People scatter into the heartland of America. We never see them again. We have a massive number of illegal aliens living in this country. Numbers range from, you know, 10 or 12 million to 25 or 30. Whatever the number is, massive number. And at least President Trump has taken the stand. We're going to have a secure border. We're going to have, we're going to be an actual sovereign nation. So we're going to have a border. We have, this president has accomplished so much and I could hit a bunch of areas, but I want you, I want to encourage you actually to go read the documents we posted at my website, americancanbetalk.org, because I can't even begin to go through the list of things he's done. They're just extraordinary steps of progress for America. Extraordinary steps of also, in, a, in not just a physical measures of uh, military strength and military accomplishments and border security, economic accomplishments, but on the level of restoring the culture of America that believes in our country, President Trump has made extraordinary progress. The message of, the simple but profound message of America first, 
that we actually love and revere the idea of America, that we're going to work to restore that idea in this country, that is right and noble and good to believe in the idea of America. These are cultural, political, societal um, changes in thought and changes in trends of thought and, and patterns of thought that is now more and more acceptable and more and more understandable for people to be standing up for the idea of America. The accomplishments of this president have been extraordinary and they are the implementation, not just of the promises he ran on, but they really are the implementation of the ideas of, of America's very founding itself. What President Trump has brought to bear, brought to this country, is a reinvigorated commitment to the ideas in our founding. The idea that we have the right to live in liberty. The idea that we have the right to pursue our version of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The right of religious freedom that matters. That's our core promise in the First Amendment, the first, uh, you know, in the Bill of Rights, the first right. The idea that we have the right of religious liberty, very much under assault from the, Amer from the leftists in this country, the radical left in this country, very much under assault. The left is on the path of abandoning the borders, weakening America, bringing in millions of people who live here uh, with no legal right to be here, who are going to become dependent on the government, who the left views as future voters. Voters, once they ever get control of the White House, the Senate, and the Congress, turn all those illegal aliens, whatever the number is, up to 30 million, maybe more, into citizens trying to create a permanent Democrat voting base. The left was on track to do all of that. What President Trump has done in just these three short years, and we're not even totally at the three short years until the middle of January, when his three year from the date when he was sworn in. It's extraordinary, the change in the culture of our country, the belief in our country, the love of our country, the love of freedom, the recognition that we don't want to surrender our sovereignty to the United Nations, that we do have a right to have secure borders, that we do want a strong military. We had the uh, emasculation, the weakening of America's military under eight years of Obama. We have President Trump bringing it back. No sovereign nation can survive without a robust military, especially United States of America, because the world turns to America to be the guardian of freedom. So I'm telling you folks, the accomplishments President Trump has made have been extraordinary. Go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, read some of those, that, those summaries. I can't even begin to, to lay them all out, even if I had the whole show to do it. And he's done it pretty much without the help of the, even the Republicans in the Senate and House, and most definitely without the help of any Democrats in Congress. This has been a man on a mission, doing what he can do, setting a tone of leadership and strength for this country. Uh, you know, you can't even, and what we didn't even touch on, the courts, the transformation of the courts as we had President Obama placing people more and more leftist leaning, serving in our federal courts, meaning that not that they were you know, leftist leaning, meaning they were, um, you know, political, but their, their concept of what the role is of the courts was a leftist, take power, grab power, grab it anywhere you can. It's the mindset of the leftist. You grab all the power you can, and every time you have power, as Obama did when he became president, we, we had um, almost before we woke up the next day, we had, were way down the path on socialized medicine. We had socialized medicine take over this country by Obama in the first few years, the way the left chooses judges. It is not finding judges who are willing to follow the Constitution, willing to follow the laws of this country. The leftist mindset is take control and put in place our radical left-wing agenda. Use every power you have. It's why the Obama administration weaponized the federal government against the American people in a variety of ways. The IRS against the groups that were trying to form, Tea Party and other groups trying to form, and the IRS weaponized against them to shut them down. You had the Obama administration weaponize the FBI and the Department of Justice, literally, to attack the opposing party. We're still getting to the bottom of that. We hope that Barr and Durham get to the bottom of that. We hope for indictments in 2020. But I'm getting at the point, it's really important to value what President Trump has accomplished in the three, almost three years he's been serving as our president. As I say, 
pretty much without the help of very many Republicans at all in the elected office. Some of them. There are some members of Congress and a few members of Senate who are actually supporting and helping him. But pretty much, President Trump has done this by the sheer force of his commitment to follow through on doing what he said he would do, which is following through in the restoration of America back to our founding values, restoring strength, restoring liberty, restoring freedom of religion, restoring freedom of speech, restoring a noble civil society. It's been an extraordinary ride these three years. Last topic for today before we wrap up for um, the, for 2019. This is kind of amazing. I, uh, you know, I want to mention a couple of things about uh, where I'm doing this show from. I want to give special thanks to Matt Stoker. He is my producer. Um, I... You, you see we come on air pretty much right at three, maybe a few minutes after. I'm often sending him clips and things to edit and change very last minute from home. I'm adding things on. I'm zipping in last minute. And he pulls off this show every day as a producer. And it makes it look like <laughs> orderly. And it's, I'm just tremendously grateful for Matt Stoker, wonderful producer, grateful to Real News PR. That is the uh, entity where I do this and the Real News Communication Network where the show airs and, and all of the various podcasts aggregators who carry the show grateful for my youtube listeners and facebook um, all the listeners we have wherever you're watching and listening i so appreciate you if you're listening to any of those kind of places if you're on youtube please subscribe tell your friends to subscribe if you're on facebook please follow this page please like this page i love the comments i get uh, wherever you're listening be part of this this conversation about preserving america as we head into 2020 because it is an extraordinary year the very identity of america America is at stake in 2020. It is nothing less than that. Final topic for today, and very quickly, I want to just hit this idea about the, um, in this country, this uh, New Year's resolutions idea for 2020 Patriots. I have a slide, and when I get to my Why It Matters to You, I have a slide we'll play. Also, I want to invite you to go to our website again, americacanwetalk.org. We're going to have up New Year's resolutions. I'll just give you the quickest summary of what I mean about New Year's resolutions. You know, we all make them to, you know, eat better, exercise more, get enough sleep, you know, clean, uh, whatever, whatever, you know, try to do better saving money, whatever your, your resolutions are. They're kind of the perpetual annual commitments you try to make, you know, be more orderly, whatever it is. But patriots in this country need to make New Year's resolutions related to saving this country. It's nothing less than saving this country. Where the left is headed in this country is true ruin of our country. Ruin of our country. Their opposition to President Trump is not because he tweets a lot and not because he has a brusque personality or not because he says things they don't like. The opposition of the left to President Trump that they brought forth in the impeachment effort, that they brought forth in the whole Mueller investigation is because President Trump is restoring America. And they, the anti-American left, the left in this country, deplores the idea of America. That is why they are so determined to destroy him. So patriots in 2020, we have to recommit not to get pushed around by the left. Every time the left attacks, you're just hearing our list, our, our caller of Vince Ellison was on a moment ago. Uh, the author whose book Iron Triangle writes about how the Democrat Party treats black America. He was pointing out, and, and I, I want to just get back to I want to tell you because we're going to run out of time here. And Matt, the wonderful, even though I just said nice things about him, is about to tell me that we're out of time. But... I want to urge you in 2020 to recognize the left will be making claims of racism all day, every day. They'll be finding racism under every rock, every Republican running. They'll be dragging up something that happened 30 years ago and claiming some racist element to it. They'll be arguing that racism is rampant in this country. It's not. They'll be arguing that racism is rampant in the Republican Party. It's not. It's a lie. They will be looking for a way to cause President Trump to stumble, to somehow stumble in foreign policy, stumble in domestic policy, stumble some way. They will do that. So the patriot commitment, the New Year's resolution commitment is to be level headed to get the facts, to not get pushed around, to not be defensive. The Republican Party in this country is on the track of preserving America. President Trump is on the path of preserving America. The left is on the path of destroying America. It's that simple. Be on the right side in 2020. Be in the fight to save this precious country. 
I have a weekly email that comes out every Friday. If you don't get it, I urge you to go to my website, americacanbetalk.org, click on subscribe, and you will get the weekly email that come out this Friday and every Friday, links to the shows, links to things we've talked about. It's a great, great way. If you miss shows during the week or you want to know what I talked about, you can go to the email once a week, click on just the stories you want to hear about, and it's a great way to share this show, which I urge you to do. Please share this show with your friends. Forward my email, get more people to subscribe. This is how we build the momentum to save this country in the 2020 elections. And now, my friends, I want to turn in telling you about why the stories we talked about today matter to you. To start with, we had in our stories today, we had President Trump is not dividing America. Do not let one leftist tell you this. Be alert to the leftist tactic behind the Democrat media myth that President Trump is dividing America. Leftists in government, media, academia, and the deep state constantly attack, malign, and criticize President Trump to stir up outrage and hate. And then they run news stories about the hate that they themselves are spewing. Leftists are the dividers. President Trump tied with Barack Obama in the recent Gallup Most Admired Man, despite... 24-7, 365 media attacks on Trump and 24-7, 365 media praise for Obama. 90 plus percent of Republicans approve of President Trump's job performance. He's not the divider. Main Street Americans are not hate-filled. They are thrilled with Trump's accomplishments. Leftists hate that Trump is succeeding. On President Trump's accomplishments, I am not even going to begin to try to read this slide. I urge you again to go to our website tomorrow, americacanbetalk.org. We'll have a posting up listing various accomplishments. If you go there today, you can go to under shows, drop down a list of links. You can read links to three different articles listing summaries of what President Trump's accomplishments. They have been extraordinary. And on the New Year's resolutions for 2020 Patriots, be ever vigilant. Remember that leftism is about destroying America. Therefore, expect but do not be fooled by more leftist lies about Americans and America as founded. Americans are a good people. America as founded has been a blessing to this world. Expect but do not accept or be deterred by polls claiming Americans want socialism or that socialism works. America needs and values individual freedom and responsibility. And despite some polling, the majority of Americans don't want it. And we have to keep talking about why. Expect but do not fear or be cowed by leftist hatred of God and Christianity. The Christian faith has been the single most positive influence in America. Resolve. Speak up and defend this country as never before against the leftist assault. Be a relentless, cheerful warrior for the truth of America's goodness. America must be preserved. And on that note, my friends, thank you so much for listening all year to America Can We Talk. I will talk to you in two days, which will also be next year, Thursday, January 2nd, 2020. I can't wait for 2020. And I can't wait for the next time I can be on air talking with you about how we preserve America, the most extraordinary experiment in human liberty ever to bless this earth. I speak up for America because America matters. I'll talk to you next year. Can we talk truth about America? Can you-